I, I said at the beginning but I, at the, of the service, but I want to say again, welcome back to, to some of the faces that we're seeing that have uh, returned for the winter months. We know over these next few months a number of our friends will be coming back, and we certainly, I, I didn't mention it in prayer, but we want to be in prayer for those who will be traveling uh, and be back with us, and, and uh, it's a fun, you know, it's, it's just another one of kind of the fun time of the year when we get to see, uh, see so many of our friends return. Uh, this morning, a read from the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter, 10 verses for many of you, a very, very familiar story. want to not only invite you to, to look in your Bibles if you have them, but if you do, keep them open because we're going we're gonna to dissect a little bit of, of this story. But we begin, again, Luke chapter 19 at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And sisters, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, You have come to seek and to save each of us. For that we are thankful. May Your Word and these words speak to us today, both inspired by Your Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Who knows the rest? He Lord wanted to see. Okay, that's good. We'll stop there. Zacchaeus was, well, some of you will keep going, I know. I don't know anymore beyond that. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. I don't know why I'm trying to say that with an Irish accent. Um, he climbed up in the sycamore tree. The Lord he wanted to see. How many of you remember that song? All right. Some of you, if you grew up, and I know not everybody did, but if you grew up in the church, you grew up in Sunday school, vacation, Bible school, you taught, uh, that was one of those kind of familiar story songs that, that we often, a lot of us, obviously learned uh, as children. This story is one of those familiar stories. I've, I've kind of mentioned it's be a reoccurring theme as we've been largely in the Gospels for a number of weeks of some of these wonderful stories that are so memorable for us. And, and Zacchaeus is, is one of those stories because it is, a, it is a tight, succinct, relatively short story of significant transformation. And so 
what I want to do this morning is I want to dissect it a little bit. Because it's, it's an interesting story, and it's really, it's a story of a, of a before and after. I mean, most of the Gospels are before and after stories. Uh, Kurt Cloninger is an is a, uh, actor and does Christian drama and things. I don't know if it's a name that's familiar to anybody, but he does drama skits and a whole bunch of things I've seen on video over the years. But he does a skit about... Um, folks, the, the people that, that Jesus had encountered in his ministry, and, and the, the tagline is, there were a bunch of used-to-bes. One of the characters that he portrays talks about how he used to be something that he no longer is. And, and the Gospels are full of stories about used-to-bes. Zacchaeus is a used-to-be. But let's, let's look at that a little bit this morning. Let's, let's use the Scriptures to kind of paint a picture specific, specifically of who Zacchaeus is when this story begins in chapter 19. Now, it, it begins in Jericho, and it says at verse 2, there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, Jericho, the, famo- the, the city that is most familiar to us because of the Old Testament story of Joshua and the people of Israel when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. But, but in the day of Jesus, Jericho was a significant agricultural center where a lot of goods passed through. And so it had considerable opportunities for some to get wealthy. And primary among them would have been the chief tax collector. Only time in the scriptures where somebody is described as a chief tax collector. And it's interesting that the gospel writer says chief tax collector and was wealthy. That's really a redundancy. It's it's like saying, um, here is this person, this man, and he is an NFL starting quarterback and he makes a lot of money. NFL starting quarterback is going to take care of that. That's like saying this woman is a senator and she was elected. You don't get to be a senator any other way, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. But maybe there's, there's appointments up. But you get the gist. Because you guys will call me out if I get it wrong. So, um, the, the, so, so Luke says, well, he, he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Most people are going to go, yeah, we kind of got that by chief tax collector. That's who he is. Now, what goes hand in hand with chief tax collector is really what is alluded to, or not really alluded to, specifically stated in verse 7, which is when, and this is kind of jumping ahead, but when the people saw uh, Jesus with Zacchaeus, they muttered, they got angry, and they said, why is he hanging out with a sinner? Part and parcel with chief tax collector, part and parcel with wealthy, was his own people despised him. And if you have been here for the last few months, we've talked about this. We talked about this with the call of Matthew. Chief tax, tax collectors were despised of their own people because very obvious, often and most often they profited by taking advantage of their own people. They worked for the Romans. They were seen as traitors and they were Roman pawns. So this is what we know of Zacchaeus. Wealthy, has a significant position in the Roman government, is hated by his people. We also know that he was 
searching for something of far deeper meaning and value in his life. We know that his wealth and his position did not satisfy him. And you think, well, gee, how do you get that from these few verses? Well, verse 4, well, actually verse 3, it says that he wanted to see Jesus. He knew Jesus was coming through, and it became important for him for some reason to see Jesus. He had undoubtedly heard the stories. There was something about what he was hearing about this man that was very attractive to him, that, that held some sort of promise and potential for him. It doesn't say what, though I don't think it would be too far-fetched to believe that, that Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus was willing to hang out with people like him. That Zacchaeus had heard that one of Jesus' own disciples was somebody who was just like him. And that Zacchaeus may have believed that maybe this teacher would see him a little differently than everybody else did. And so it became incredibly important for Zacchaeus to see Jesus. And this is how we know. Verse 4, because he was short... Okay, that's, uh, that's the premise. He's short in stature. Now, now, actually, it just says short in the NIV. The King James Version says short in stature. And, and the reason I like that is I think it speaks to two realities, a literal and a figurative reality. Zacchaeus was not tall. Okay, that's the first premise. He, you know, he was a, a short guy compared to everybody else, which in that time would have been really short because in the day and age, there's some historians that speculate the average height for a Jewish male about the time of Jesus was probably about five feet. Yeah, exactly. We were, we'd be, you know, so, so some of you are thinking, man, I should have lived back then. I'd have, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so he would, have been, he would have been a little guy. But I think short in stature also speaks to his place in his own community. Certainly he had stature with the Romans because of his job, but among his own people, discounted devalued, if you will. But this is what is so significant. It says in verse 4, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. He ran ahead and climbed. Now, that may not seem significant to us, but it is profoundly significant. First of all, because he ran. Running was seen as undignified. For a Jewish man. When Jesus tells the story of the parable of the prodigal son, remember he says that when the father saw his son a great distance off, Jesus very specifically says he ran to meet him. Now we don't pay it, that, that doesn't jump out to us. But in the day in which Jesus lived for a Jewish male, especially of any significance, to run was undignified. Zacchaeus didn't care. He ran ahead. He ran ahead. And then the second thing he did was he climbed a tree. We don't generally see adult men, or women for that matter, climbing trees. When's the last time you saw somebody aged 25, 30, 40 in a tree? Maybe, maybe. There's always a few adventurous people. But it, when, when I was this summer... Or actually, it was in the spring. 
Tony and I took the kids to Orlando. Tony had a Women of Faith event that she was speaking or, or present at in the Orlando area. So we just did a night to get away. And um, that Saturday morning when Tony was at the event, we had to check out of the hotel. And so I had hours to kill with, with the kids. Well, one of the, the church that my father served when he came out of seminary, when I was, my first memories of church was Asbury United Methodist Church in Maitland, Florida. I don't know if any of you have ever been to either that church or been to Maitland. But uh, that's where I kind of spent my, my first years of, of having, you know, memory. And I went to um, kindergarten there. And so anyway, so I thought, well, it'd be fun to, to drive the kids around where, where I live. So we went by the church. We went by the the house that I had lived in. We went by Lake Sibelia, which was the big lake right there in, in Maitland. And we stopped at a park there. And as we, we stopped to let the kids kind of run around and play, uh, as I'm walking around, I saw a tree, big, beautiful tree, big base, and it had low branches to start, and it had a lot of branches. And I thought, that's a climbing tree. There's still enough of a kid in me, I thought, that's a perfect tree to climb. Now, there was enough of the kid in me to think it. There was not enough of a kid in me to do it. I know. Oh, he's so old. Um, I just, I, 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 I didn't. Oh, gosh. I don't want to get hurt. So I didn't climb the tree. But I was curious to see how long it would take the, the kids to, uh, to notice the tree. And a few minutes later, I just kind of sat down and watched. Ryan saw the tree. He climbed the tree, you know, which kind of uh, made me feel good that at least my ki- kid had gotten some of the adventure that had obviously left me. But, um, but the point is, you know, we see these kind of trees, but we don't expect grown men necessarily to climb trees in most circumstances. Now, that's today. I remember I said running for a Jewish man was undignified. You know what else was undignified? Climbing a tree. <laughs> Climbing a tree. I mean, it wasn't even just kind of like, well, we don't normally see it. We don't. It was undignified. I mean, can you imagine a person of prominence? Can you imagine uh, a governor, a, a president, a mayor climbing a tree? You just wouldn't expect it, and they didn't expect it. But Zacchaeus didn't care. He didn't care. It was so important for him to see Jesus that he was willing to do whatever it took. And so this is who Zacchaeus is when the story begins. Wealthy, uh, probably dishonest, and certainly desperate. Desperate to fill a void in his life that his prominence and his wealth and his whatever his achievements were could not fill. That's Zacchaeus at the beginning. Now let's contrast the after picture. It says that after he has this encounter with Jesus, in verse 8, he says, Lord, I am going to give half my possessions to the poor. Half of everything. I want you to think about that. Half of what he owned to the poor. But not only that, he says, if I have done wrong to anybody, I'm not only going to repay them what I took. I'm not only going to repay them my dishonesty four times, four times more than I took will I pay them back. And it is in response to that that Jesus says, today 
salvation has come into this house. From dishonest, profiteering, and desperate, to generous, sacrificial, and saved. And the question becomes, what happens to catalyze the change? What's the catalyst there? And for most, for me initially, the thought is the catalyst, the driver, is Zacchaeus' willingness to climb up that tree. Zacchaeus' willingness to do whatever it took to see Jesus, to get above the crowd so he could make contact. That's what I would have said before was the catalyst of this transformation. Certainly Jesus is the key, but Zacchaeus' prime action. But I don't think any longer that it was Zacchaeus' willingness to climb up the tree that was the most significant. That was important. But it wasn't his willingness to climb up the tree that mattered most. It was his willingness to get down. It was his willingness to get down. And I want to show you what I mean. Verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Now there's something really, really significant there. He spoke his name. The Scripture has no insight for us as to how Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was other than the wisdom that came from, directly from God himself. But he spoke Zacchaeus' name. He didn't just say, hey, you there. Hey, guy up in the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Jesus gives a personal invitation. But then it goes on to say, in verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, welcomed him with joy. What was the significant event for Zacchaeus? It was not that he was willing to get in the tree, but that when Jesus called, he was willing to get out. He was willing to respond to an invitation. And in responding to an invitation of Christ, in responding to a gift of grace, because that's what this is. Jesus is not saying, Zacchaeus, you've ever done anything to earn any of this. You have no standing for me to come and eat with you. You've not done anything worthy of the presence of the Son of God in your home. In fact, everybody else is pretty ticked off that he's there to begin with. Because they look at Zacchaeus and they see the kind of life that he's led and they see his dishonesty and they think, how can Jesus spend any time with him? And that's that reoccurring theme of the Gospels. Jesus has a way of picking friends and acquaintances that most of us wouldn't. Zacchaeus doesn't earn it, but he accepts it. He accepts an invitation that Christ gives to each of us to come off of our perches, come out of our high places, to come out of our loss, whatever it is, when we have seen Jesus, Jesus invites us in. But then the other significant thing here is that the Zacchaeus that went up that tree is not the same Zacchaeus that came down. The one who went up was not the one who came down. I painted two pictures of a Zacchaeus, the before and the after. The before is who went up that tree. The after is who came down. Zacchaeus was changed through an encounter with Jesus. Jesus changes things. 
And I'm not just talking an intellectual faith. I'm talking a lived-out practice of faith. You see, we tend to, to love to spiritualize the call of Christ in our lives. We love to talk about that in faith we are given the gift of eternal life and we have the promise of eternity and we paint the beautiful picture of the sweet by and by that is to come. And that is foundational to our faith. That is why tonight, in a night to remember, we celebrate with joy the memory of our loved ones because we believe that in Christ we have that promise of life to come. But here's our problem. There's, there's an old saying that sometimes Christians become so heaven-minded that they do no earthly good. You ever heard that before? We forget that the call of Christ is meant to change things now. Zacchaeus got it. Zacchaeus didn't just say, thank you, Lord, for what you have done or will do. But Zacchaeus said, thank you, Lord, for what you have done right here now. And here's my response. Our faith in Jesus provokes a response in the life that we live. We are meant to be different because we've received an invitation from Christ. I was, I was flipping through the channels the other night, a couple nights ago, and uh, I, I came across a movie uh, called um, Gangster Squad. I wasn't looking for it. It's just it's, it's one of the recent movies set in the 40s. And um, what was interesting is I'm watching it, the, the protagonist of the story is Mickey Cohen. He's the gangster, the mobster. It's set in Los Angeles. Some of you may be familiar with the name. I wasn't. But I thought there might be some at least historical connections here because I love kind of the history of things, even though I knew the movie wasn't historical. And so I, I do what I always do. I open the computer up and I Googled Mickey Cohen and I started reading some of his story. He was a, a mobster in Los Angeles in the, the 40s and 50s and spent some time in Alcatraz. And I mean, it's a fascinating story. But I believe it was in the 50s. Mickey Cohen... Um, I don't know if he went to an event that was sponsored by Billy Graham, which Billy Graham was preaching, or he just met Billy Graham. I, I don't know all the details, but he had a bit of a relationship with Billy, Billy Graham and became attracted to the, the message of Christ and claimed, professed to become a Christian. The problem was nothing in his life changed. He professed to become a Christian, but he maintained his activity as a gangster and a racketeer. And eventually, and I don't know if it was Billy Graham or some other Christians, kind of called him out and said, you know, you, you claim to be following in the way of Jesus, but nothing has changed. And he said, I didn't know I had to. I didn't know that I had to stop being a gangster. I didn't know I had to stop racketeering. He, he thought in his mind, well, and this is what his quote was, there are Christian actors and there are Christian senators. Why can't there be a Christian gangster? <laughs> Jesus was an eternal insurance policy for Mickey Cohen, but effected no change in his life. Zacchaeus, to his credit, knew better. He knew that when he accepted this invitation, he accepted this gift that Jesus was offering, this gift, as Christ would proclaim, of salvation. It meant things needed to change. 
It wasn't okay anymore to keep living exactly as he had before. It was no longer okay to keep profiting off of people and taking advantage of other people. Jesus changed him. Here's the key for us. Like Zacchaeus, it's it's interesting that it was after Zacchaeus makes the declaration that Jesus says, today salvation has come into this home. And it's easy for us to misread that, but understand Zacchaeus did not earn his salvation by his actions. All right? We hold fast to the promise of faith, of grace through faith, that God freely gives. Zacchaeus didn't earn his salvation, but his actions evidenced it. I want you to hear that. He didn't earn his salvation, but his actions evidenced it. The fact that the person he was when he went up that tree was not the person he was when he came down in his encounter with Jesus gave credibility and evidence to the faith that he was professing. Here's the simple question for us. How does our lives evidence our salvation? If Jesus looked at the way that we live our lives, at the way we lived our lives before we came to a relationship With him, before we opened our hearts to the presence of the Holy Spirit, before we did whatever it was that has asked Christ to be a part of our lives. If if Jesus was standing there and he looked at the evidence of our lives before that moment and he looked at the evidence of our lives after that moment, would he proclaim salvation had come into our home? Would he see that we're living? what we profess. And some, maybe you're like me, and maybe you've always grown up in, in, in the faith. And you don't have any of those drastic before and answer, or before and after moments. But is your life growing not just in what you profess, but in what you do, and how you give evidence and credibility to your faith? That's the example of Zacchaeus. Now, it's interesting. Ten verses, and Zacchaeus is off the scene. Luke's the only one that talks about him. The, the, the tradition, not the tradition, but the legend of Zacchaeus, and I think it's just the legend, but the legend is that Zacchaeus went on to become the bishop of Caesarea. Now, most historians do not hold that to be the same Zacchaeus. But it's interesting that it was long believed that the life of Zacchaeus was never the same again. What about us? What about us? Why do these boxes matter? Why does this matter? Why do we do this? And not just this, but all kinds of ministries and outreach. I mean, we don't know these kids. None of us will probably ever meet any child that will receive these boxes. Well, why do we do it? Because God knows them. Because this is a way that we evidence our faith. This is a way that we give credibility to the God of love that we claim to worship, to follow, and to be transformed by. That's why this matters. This is not earning our salvation, but it's evidence of it. The things that we do. And again, this is one way. There are many ways, both corporately and individual, the ways that we respond to the grace of Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to begin a communion ritual that we do once a month. 
In a few moments, you're going to receive an invitation to come and to, to receive bread and juice and, and to take communion. That's God's gift of grace. The question becomes, how does it change you? How does it matter when you go out of this place today? How does it matter when you return to your seat? How do you respond? When I lived in Carolina in school, and some of your traditions may have been like this, communion was always done before the offering because the offering was a response to God's grace. That's one way to do it. But the question is, how do we respond? I said I invited some of you to keep your, your boxes, and if you did keep it, what I want to invite you to do is when you come and take communion today, bring it with you. And to receive communion, but then drop the box because it reminds us of our response. And if you didn't do that, that's okay. If you didn't do a box, that's okay. This wasn't for everybody. You can come by and you can pray a blessing over it. We're going to bless them before we leave today. Let it be an example, not of the only way to do it, but of the need for us to embrace the challenge of Jesus Christ, which is to let our lives give evidence to our love and to our faith. That's what, what went up did not come down. Zacchaeus was different because he met Jesus. Jesus has given us all by name an invitation. The challenge for us is to ask ourselves, how are we different because of what Christ has done for us? How maybe are we, when we leave here, not the same as who we were when we came in here? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, that is your challenge for us. Certainly that we would embrace faith and the promise of what is to come. but We'd not forget the challenge of what is right now and the way that you call us to live our faith, to love others, to care for others, to give in whatever way you would lead, to be different because we've met Jesus. May that be the evidence of the faith that was earned through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior, in His name we pray. Amen.